Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us through it down the centuries. We pray that you would speak to us afresh again today. In Jesus' name, amen. I know many members of St. Christopher's will remember um, John and Catherine Ray, a lovely, lovely couple, and uh, they uh, now live in Yorkshire as well. Uh, and uh, John had many, many uh, wonderful idiosyncrasies, uh, but this passage was one of his favourites. And he loved this uh, phrase about the stone Ebenezer. The stone Ebenezer. And it means this far or thus far, the Lord has helped us. And I want to think a little bit about that phrase and about this uh, story in the, the, the story of the people of Israel. Uh, the Israelites were at a, a tricky stage in their national life. They had, of course, uh, had the wonderful exodus from Egypt, being led out uh, through uh, the, the Red Sea and uh, across into uh, Mount Sinai and there receiving uh, the Ten Commandments. Through that remarkable experience being forged into a nation. And then, of course, they had come across the Jordan with Joshua and had begun to settle in the Promised Land. And after that, there was this, this strange period of the judges, leaders raised up by God to judge the people of Israel and keep them close to God. And then we get to the time of Samuel. And uh, this is a difficult time. We learn at the beginning of the book of Samuel that the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there were not many visions. Something is difficult, something is, is not quite right. There seems to be a complacency about the faith of Israel at this time. Uh, the priests looking after the ark are corrupt. They're taking too much from the people. The spiritual life is unhealthy. The people appear to have drifted away from God. But this is not a good time to drift because the people of Israel are in danger. They are a relatively young nation and they are a relatively young uh, group in this promised land. And there are plenty of people around them who want to, to drive them out or to put them to the sword. And chief among them is this group of people called the Philistines. And the Philistines have actually done quite well in the first part of 1 Samuel. They've stolen the Ark of God. The Ark where the Ten Commandments are placed. The Ark which is the very symbol of God's presence with the people of Israel. They've stolen it and taken it into their temple. Terrible things happen to them and terrible things happen to their gods because they've got the Ark. And they end up giving it back. But nonetheless, they are in the ascendancy there is a very real risk that they are going to drive the Israelites out, that they are going to put them to the sword. And the people finally come to Samuel. And he says, as a good judge and prophet does, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. Get rid of these foreign gods. 
Uh, they, they call the Baals or the Ashtoreths. It doesn't really matter. They're, they're foreign gods. They're gods that they have, as it were, picked up as they've gone along through the, uh, the, the Exodus and going into uh, the, the land. Uh, they've picked up these other gods and they've begun to worship them and said, well, maybe these will do better. Maybe they'll give us better crops and better livestock. They'll, they'll bless us. And they've sort of picked them up as they've gone along. And Samuel says, get rid of them and trust in the Lord God alone. And they do that. And they turn away from these gods and they turn back to the Lord and they come together and they fast and they worship. And it is as they are fasting, as they are worshipping, as they're coming back to the Lord, that then they are attacked. The Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah. The rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard it, they were afraid. We're all in one place. They're surrounding us. We've come to worship. They've come for war. We are in trouble and they are scared. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord for us that he may you know, I'm going to have to put my glasses on when I come to church. I'm really sorry. I'm really struggling to read this text. It's a sign of the times, isn't it? I'm, there we are. So forgive me if it's a bit sort of lumpy. Okay. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Samuel goes back to worship, offers a suckling lamb, and he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. When Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered. At this point, there is no battle. Israel is not fighting the Philistines. The Lord is thundering against them. And it must have been a wonderful thunder because we're told twice he thundered with a loud thunder. Whatever happened, it must have been impressive. And the Philistines are thrown into panic and they run. Now we have to be honest about the text, honest about the passage. The Israelites then chase them and kill them. And that's hard. That's hard. But that's just a different discussion. I'm just going to put that on one side for now. The point is that the Lord delivers them. And after he has delivered them, Samuel gets them back together and he puts up a stone. You might remember the story of Jacob's ladder. You know, when Jacob is running away from his brother and he sleeps and he sees this vision of God uh, and, and a ladder leading up to heaven and angels ascending and descending on it. What does he do the following day? He wakes up and he puts that stone up. And he says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. It's an important moment when a prophet or a leader puts up a stone. And Samuel puts up this stone and he says, this is Ebenezer. This far the Lord has helped us. Or this far the Lord has led us. The stone marks a place, but it also marks a point in their story a moment, a time, a moment when they can say, look how far God has led us. He's called us through Abraham, Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and his 12 sons and the nation that, that arose from them. 
bringing them into liberty from the exodus through the, the journey in the wilderness into the promised land. Look how far he has led you. This far has he helped us. And by the way, P.S., he's done it without a king. Because the next thing the people are going to do is they're going to ask for a king. And it's almost as if Samuel was saying, look, look, you've come this far just with him leading you. You don't need a king. He is your guide. He is your leader. He is the one who has led you this far. Ebenezer, this far the Lord has helped us. Look how far you have come with him. If we fast forward then about a thousand years into our New Testament reading, we see again this sense of journey, this sense of following, this sense of ongoing. When Jesus calls the first disciples, he says to them this deeply, profoundly simple message, follow me. He doesn't say come and, come and do a course or come and do you know, some sort of you know, process of, 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 of academic learning. He just says come, follow me. To respond to Jesus is to choose to follow him. And the disciples did follow him all the way to the cross and to the empty tomb and beyond. And that sense of following goes on so much that the first Christians are not called Christians. They are called followers of the way. Followers of the way. We are on the way. The way towards our final home. But on this way we are taught and challenged and moulded and changed and, and we become more like Jesus. He rubs off our, our rough edges and our, our bumps and, and he transforms us into the beautiful people that are the people of God. Thus far has the Lord helped us. We follow him. And maybe today as we meet together for the first time, we can pause and think about our journey, our going along the way. The particular journey we have had over the last 18 months. Who would have thought when we met together on March the 15th last year, you may remember it, Sharon Prentice spoke to us. Who would have thought that we would not be in church again for 18 months until today? And these intervening months have been difficult, haven't they? So many people have been touched by the pain of loss and bereavement. Some people have found the lockdowns really, really hard and have really struggled. Some people have loved them and have thrived in the quiet. But maybe we have all become aware that this journey we are on is a journey. It is a going on with him. And maybe today we can put a metaphorical stone up and saying, this far the Lord has helped us. He has got us this far. And it's been difficult, even for us, even for Western Christians living in the rich part of the world. It's been hard. We're used to controlling things, aren't we? We're used to doing what we like, when we like. We're used to everything being at our disposal. And suddenly life wasn't like that. And maybe we got a touch and a taste of what it's like 
for hundreds of millions of other people who live in other parts of the world who are often done to rather than do the doing. It has been difficult, but this far the Lord has helped us. Perhaps we have learned to journey with him under his authority, guided by his love. To put it bluntly, that he can get us through and no one else can. Maybe we have been, maybe we have been forced to focus again on what is really important, him and his sustaining presence. Of course he blesses us through one another. Of course our Christian friends and family have their role to play. But at the end of the day, we are called to follow him, to focus on him. This far, he has helped us. And as we look back and we give thanks for this journey, as we look back and we remember his faithfulness, so perhaps for a moment we can lean on that stone and look forward, trusting, not presuming on God's goodness for the future. You know, God's people often get into trouble in Scripture when they presume on God's goodness, when they say, because he has chosen us, because we are his people, because we bear his name, then everything will be all right. It doesn't matter how we behave, how we speak, how we are. He will always look after us. That is usually the moment before they come a terrible cropper. As we rest on this stone and we look forward, we remember thus far he has led us because we have trusted in him, because we have turned to him, because we have known that he is there for us. As we look into the future, when perhaps, pray God, things will begin to get a bit easier. It's important, isn't it? This far has he helped us. We go the next step with him. God is not a fool, is he? He sees our hearts. And when they are far from him, we often make strange and destructive choices. And he waits till we can hear his whisper again. And often when we've crashed and seen the folly of trying to do it our own way, then he comes to us and picks us up and brings us home. This far has he led us. This far has he led us. Trusting on him. Let's see what comes. The pandemic isn't over. It's horrible watching the news, isn't it? Seeing those statistics. How many people are infected? How many people are in hospital? How many people have died? It isn't over. And even when it is, there will be other struggles and other challenges. But he has led us this far. Relying on him, he will lead us on and he will lead us home. Amen.